The term design and designer gets tossed around a lot these days, but what if I were to tell you that regardless of what you do, you are a designer? We're going to talk about this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the concept of a designer and not the designer you're probably thinking about. Uh, Most people, when they think of a designer, they think of color palettes, they think of typography and fonts and Photoshop, but that's not the type of designer I'm going to be talking about today. I'm going to be talking about you and why you, regardless of what you do, regardless of what field you're in, And regardless of the business you're trying to build, you are a designer as well. But first, what I wanted to do is take a little bit of time uh, to mention an email I received the other day regarding a course that we recently released for free over at Rightly & Company. So here's what the email says. It says, Thomas, I opened your email today, downloaded the supporting documents, and listened to your first video. It made me wish two things. One, that I had opened your email earlier and that I had thought through those ideas better before launching my website a year ago. It's not too late for me to learn. My website continues to evolve as I refine my niche and how I serve them. With this new insight, I can discover what products are offered, their similarities and differences with what I can offer, and the unique impact I can make in this area. Thanks for a great spring gift, especially since we are in the middle of a huge winter storm. Hazel, this is P.S., uh, I was happy to share on Facebook and will personally recommend your services to friends of mine. So this is an email that I received shortly after we released. We opened up uh, registration for the totally free uh, Brand Builders Workshop. So this was a course that I was going to offer for $9.97. I decided to give it away for free. And this is exactly why. Um, because I know that there's a lot of people out there who are in different niches and industries and may not necessarily have the budget to be able to afford uh, a higher uh, a higher level brand building workshop. This is really intensive. It goes through the process of how to build out the very fundamental pillars of your brand. So things like uh, your brand personality, uh, your brand essence, things like that. The, the basic fundamental precepts of what makes up an effective brand, something that people will know you by, something that people will recognize you from, and something that will help you do the work that will make uh, an impact in the lives you're trying to make. So if you're working for a nonprofit, if you've got side projects that you're doing, if you're working for a large corporation or company, regardless of what it is, uh, it's very much at the heart and the soul of doing work that matters, especially in the sea of you know, a wide variety of different you know, tools and technologies that enable people, you know, all around the world to start creating instantly. The whole idea here is to build on the the fundamental pillars and foundation uh, of what all the giant corporations and most successful companies do, which is a brand. So if you haven't already, uh, highly recommend you head on over to rightly.co slash training where you also can get this totally free training. Um, and I just can't wait to see the different businesses and brands that you're trying to build. Uh, if as you go through it, never hesitate to uh, reach out to me at thomas at rightly.company. And I'd love to hear how it's helping you as well, because I know that uh, this is something that's vital, regardless of the type of business that you are trying to build. 
One of the uh, other things I wanted to mention in regards to the show is that we have a phone number up and available to you. So if you want to ask a question to the program, you can actually record one either via phone or you can head on over to a page that we have dedicated to that. So the phone number is 844-RIGHTLY. So again, that's 844-RIGHTLY if you'd like to uh, record a question for the show. You can also head on over to rightly.co slash question. I'm sorry, that's rightly.show slash question. So again, that's rightly.show slash question if you have a question for the program that you would like for us to tackle in a full-length episode. Have a question for the program? Call 844-RIGHTLY to record your question and we would be happy to consider featuring it in a future episode. That's 844-744-4859 or 844-RIGHTLY. If you would rather write in, feel free to email show at rightlydesigned.com. Okay, so today's main topic today is all about being a designer and why you are one. So to, to kind of kick things off today, I'm going to hand things over to Casey Proctor of CaseyProctor.com, our co-host, to kind of kick things off for this topic. Thanks, Thomas. Um, as someone who doesn't have a design background and is very much an appreciator of people who, who seem to do design really well, and I have a plethora of products that I think are well-designed, what what is design? What does that mean? Yeah, so that's yeah, that's the perfect question to kick things off with. And I think that's one of those things that gets fundamentally misunderstood, not only by people who, are, who aren't the quote-unquote designers of the world, but also people who are. A little while back, I wrote an article that talked about why most designers don't understand design. And the reason I wrote the article was because I was breaking down um, the pieces of what a lot of different designers, quote unquote, call design. So the article in particular talked about the new user interface at the time of iOS. So some of the changes that Apple had made to iOS in terms of the way that the fonts looked, the ty- you know, specifically the typography, the layout of the different screens and aspects of what uh, Apple had changed. And this whole article was talking about why Apple no longer cares about design. That's kind of the emphasis or the kind of the uh, kind of the foundation of where the article was focused. That, art- that Apple no longer cares about design and the, the kind of case that they were making for this was how some of the buttons were not aligned, how some of the colors didn't match, how some of the fonts didn't look quite right. And so I wrote a whole article about why that isn't what design is, what that would, the equivalent of that would be like looking at a house and saying like, I'm an architect and I design and I build, you know, I work with people to build houses and to say that design is what color you paint the trim. That's one very small aspect of design, but it is not design itself. So one of the most famous quotes when it comes to design that we've probably all heard, at least in some Uh, aspect or variety is from Steve Jobs. And he famously said that design isn't about the way that it looks. It's about the way that it works. Design comes down to a way of thinking. It's a methodical process that each of us go through in our everyday lives. And so when I say that uh, everybody is a designer, it's true. We're all creating things every single day. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the realm of 
color palettes and typography, though it can, but you can be an artist, you can be a musician, you can be an accountant, you can be uh, a baker. It doesn't matter what field you work in or what you do. Design is something that we do every single day at the heart of our business. So uh, one, of the, one of the biggest misconceptions that we see, you know, among many people who are running businesses is that, uh, you know, I need a designer because I need to make this look pretty, right? And so I hear this all the time. So it doesn't matter if this is going to be somebody who needs a website, if they need brand identity, so, you know, like a logo and the visual aspects of a brand, uh, those type of things come across and they'll say, uh, I want this to look pretty, so I need a designer. It's like, well, a designer, a good designer, is going to give you a lot more than something that looks pretty. They're going to give something that visually uh, appeals to, it visually represents the brand that you've built. And that's why I referred to earlier to the brand building workshop that we're talking about. It goes far beyond the way something looks. It goes to the way that it works. We know that something is good design. Like, let's go back to the iOS example, a smartphone. We know that it's well designed, not because of the colors, but because it can, it's easy to use. It's easy. It anticipates the different things that we want to do. It remembers the way that we use it. Like for example, Netflix or Amazon, we know that that's well designed, not because of the colors or the typeface, those things play a small role in that, but we know it's well designed because when we log in, it recommends products that most of the time we're actually interested in. So that's one of the main fundamental differences uh, between the common misconception of design and then what design actually is. I like that distinction between the the aesthetic and the visual and how it actually how something actually works or functions. Um, you know, we've all seen you know products like cars or clothes or coffee mugs or phones that look cool and they seem to have a good like visual design, the visual representation of the functionality. But then when you go to try and use it or wear it or drink from it or you know play with the apps or whatever, um, the actual function the product design uh, does not deliver on what was visually represented um for digital creators for bloggers youtubers if you're on you know instagram or you're doing digital marketing like emails and you know web content why why should creators care about design yeah it's it's a vital part to any any business building efforts. So these pieces are really important. Um, design is one of those things, like you said, it comes back to the way that you're going to do something. So if we're talking about like visual design, you should definitely care about it. Those things are going to be important. The, you know, the visual brand identity, the logo, the, the typefaces, the color scheme, all that is going to be really important. But not if you don't first have nailed down the fundamental pillars, the pieces of what makes a good design. So more importantly, a brand. So first you need to know who is it that you're serving? Like in the past, I've done quite a bit of book jacket design. And so a lot of times, uh, one of the most common mistakes that authors make is they jump into the process and they lay out a list of the things that they like. And what a lot of people learn very early on is that if you're a blogger or YouTuber, Instagrammer, what you like may differ from what your audience likes or the people of whom you're trying to serve or represent. So for example, what an amateur quote unquote designer would do if they were given the project to design, let's say, a 
book cover for a uh, a novel for teen girls. Like if I I have no interest in the same things that teen girls are interested in, but if I don't create typefaces and color schemes and a visual aspect to that design that appeals to them, then I'm not doing my job. So to some degree, each of us have to lay down the things that we want and like and take the time to get to know the audience and the people that we're trying to serve so that not only can we tailor our content, so if we're doing YouTube videos, if we're doing a podcast, if we're doing blog articles, if we're writing emails, if we're doing Instagram, whatever medium that we're doing it in, it's being done in such a way as to appeal to them from the content level. On the visual design aspect, that also applies. That's where, you know, working with a designer to, to craft the visual aspect of that, it would be really important for those pieces to have typefaces that make sense. So, for example, if I'm doing, uh, you know, a podcast or a, or a TV show or, or something like that around, um, you know, cooking for stay-at-home moms, that's going to have a different typeface than it is for, say, uh, you know, men's hiking channel or something like that. Like the look and the feel of how that's visually represented will just be different because different people are different and we treat them differently. And that applies not only for the content and the voice and the way we write it, but the way that it looks as well. Absolutely. And I want to highlight one thing that you mentioned there in having that focus on your customer, because even though you are the creator and the the voice of your writing and the the tone, if you're doing video content, your tone and your almost your character when you're on video has to be in service to your customer. Like if your customer is the hero in their own story and you are you are the guide on that story your brand is you know i intended and ideally solving a problem for them and helping that customer achieve a transformation and if the you know if you like a particular color scheme or font or you know layout of your website or you know a t- or your writing voice but it doesn't align with your message and with your audience then there's going to be a cognitive disconnect there in in thinking about what design actually is what are some key elements of design that creators uh, should keep in mind yeah definitely so here here's some of the the fundamental things to keep in mind as you're going through the process of design the fir- this is the first question that we have to ask, and this is the most basic and rudimentary and fundamental, is who is this for? So who is it that I'm trying to serve? Who is the audience? So if that means that you need to keep in mind a particular person, then that's great. Um, or if there's just a more jaw- uh, broad, generalized consensus uh, that kind of revolves around a specific problem, that's fine. But that's the first question we need to ask. Who is it that we're trying to, to serve? And what is the problem we're trying to solve? That's number two. Number three is what is the way that we are going to solve it that's better or different than the way that it is currently being solved? For example, I'm going to keep using this as an example just because it's kind of the running theme so far of the show. But let's say that uh, who am I trying to serve? Well, pretty much uh, anybody who needs to, uh, who wants to be able to communicate, wants to be able to make phone calls, and but isn't quite. Uh, satisfied with their BlackBerry or with their Palm Pilot or whatever type of smart device they're currently using in conjunction with making phone calls. Okay, so that's who I'm trying to serve. 
what am I trying to, what problem am I trying to solve? Well, all those devices are okay, but they're not great. Uh, they could be designed better in the sense that they could work more intuitively, they could handle more, they could be more powerful, they could be faster. Okay, so how am I going to do that? I'm going to invent the iPhone, which solves those problems in a new creative and interesting and powerful way. And there we go, we've, you know, invented the smartphone. It's the same process that we need to follow in terms of design thinking for every single thing that we create. It's not a matter of creating a product and then trying to find people to sell that product to. That's why we get spam all the time, right? That's why we get people who are just interrupting us with ads and, you know, getting things appearing in our Facebook feed or random tweets about, hey, this is 50% off and most people don't care. The reason is because they didn't start with step one of the design process, which is asking that fundamental question, who is this for? If we already have an audience who has real problems and we see them asking questions every day about, hey, do you guys know how to do this? I just answered my first question with who is this for, right? So that's the very first question is who is this for? I've found the person, I found the problem. And now if I can, number three, create a new innovative, interesting, and unique solution to that question that they're asking, that problem that they have, then I've created something. I've made something that is designed well. Uh, and that's what design is. It's going down that, that, those three fundamental steps in creating something. And the visual aspect of that to how it looks to, uh, to use the house analogy, to the color scheme, to the paint on the front door matters. The packaging matters is a reason why Post and Kellogg's spends millions of dollars every year to make sure that their cereal boxes look better than the generic kind. There's a reason why um, book jackets have you know, professional designers and billboards still exist, still exist and product packaging is still such a big deal. All those things matter, but we have to get the contents down first. And that is what distinguishes, you know, visual design from de design itself. That's fantastic. Um, I like the I like the analogy of of the house and how those different like visual elements are important and how you know brands like Kellogg with cereal and authors you know and publishers with their books. There's visual elements, but they're you know um, that those visual elements are are a small piece, and the real value, the real transformation, is one level deeper, and so. What, in your perspective, what is the the purpose of the visual design? Yeah, no, excellent, excellent point to focus in on. So, because we've talked a lot about, uh, like, you've, I've spent very little time on the actual visual aspect of it and more time on the pieces that make up the house. And it is important, and the way that it comes in, uh, very important, is making that first impression. Right. So let's go ahead and use like, for example, book jackets. Right. So uh, I've worked a lot of time in the book jacket field, designing a lot of book covers for a lot of independent authors, as well as, you know, traditional publishing houses selling millions of co copies. And the old cliche is that, you know, never judge a book by its cover. In the publishing industry, everybody kind of laughs at that. They say, well, that's exactly what people do, which means that you can have the best written book in the in all of human history and being ready to publish it. But if you have a book that many in, you know, the publishing industry or not even in the publishing industry, but just in the general population, 
perceive as quote unquote self-published or has a look and feel that looks amateurish, they just won't take it seriously. Like all the book marketing in the world can't overcome something that's designed well. You can kind of think of it this way. Just think that you're going into a job interview and you decided to show up to that job interview in shorts and a flip in shorts and a flip-flops, right? So you have to ask the question, how do you think that that interviewer would take you, uh, you know, as a, as a first impression, what do you think that first impression would be of that interviewer? Uh, before you even said a word, I'd be like, well, that person's probably not taking this interview very seriously. Whereas if you dressed up in your very nicest and you showed up and you're very professional, obviously they would take you differently. It depends on the type of job that you're trying to apply for. But the same thing applies to everything else in the marketplace in that the visual aspect is meant to represent what it is that you are actually creating. So you can't, they, they work kind of hand in hand. It's one of those things where you can't have one without the other. The visual aspect makes it very clear to someone that this thing is worth taking seriously. And then the other piece, the visual, the actual design process itself gives people the value that you're showing them through the visual design. So like, for example, if we were to go into like, let's use again, Apple as an example, we go into an Apple store and we see that the visual aspect of everything that the way the store is laid out to the way that you're helped with different people there creates a particular experience. So that's all part of the visual design or the experience that they provide to their customers. If I walk out of that store with a subpar product, then my impression of Apple is not going to be very long lasting. It's not going to matter. However, if I walk out of there with a product that I pay for, I like it, and the whole buying experience was interesting, was unique, or even fun, then overall, I walk away with an impression of Apple that is overwhelmingly positive, and that's why you have a lot of people who are advocates for Apple products, and they may not even necessarily know why. Maybe just because the, the whole experience they went through buying it uh, added to the, the, the actual experience of using the product as well. So they work in tandem. But in short, the visual aspect of a design or of a brand is the piece that gives people the confidence to know that what you're creating, what you're doing is worth taking seriously. It sounds like visual design is is the the, the design around visual design is intended to get the attention and to make that first initial promise. And then the design of your project product, service, uh, or content is then judged on how it delivers against that initial promise. Uh, I, and ideally, it over delivers. Um, yep. And at, at the very least, matches up against that. Um, for you know creators who are just getting started or who are just maybe thinking seriously about design, what are some key elements for them to focus on without like going down a rabbit hole and allowing visual design to uh, become a hurdle or a wall or a barrier for them to move forward and actually ship something? Yeah, no, this is, this is a great question. And it's there is a there's a misconception out there for, you know, a lot of people who are just getting started that this and this applies particularly with people who are trying to build some sort of personal brand. And the whole idea is that I first thing I need to do is go out there and get a logo. And for most people, here's the thing. 
What is going to be 10 times, 20 times more valuable to you when you're first getting started is a professional photo of you. That is your logo, uh, especially to start with. In fact, I, I know so many brands I've worked with, uh, personal personal business brands that I've worked with where they, they've been ten, you know, two or three years in before they even get any type of logo designed. Now, if you're building a brand that you're a part of that needs some, that's a, different than your name, uh, then at that point in time, a logo starts to become more important, but it's less important than just creating something that is just uh, basic or visual appealing. So meaning if you're creating an online business, a clean, simple website that is a place where you can house the content that you're regularly creating uh, and kind of going from there. Um, my, initial, my initial take for most people who are, who are just getting started, because most people are starting an independent brand of some sort, maybe they're an author, a writer, or a speaker, or a coach, or a consultant. That's where a lot of people are getting their start, or maybe an artist. And the first thing I would take time to invest in before starting to go through and kind of the checklist, as you, you know, as some people would say in terms of where to start, before getting that logo, hire a photographer to get a, a nice collection of professional photos of you and use those on your website and use that as the place to start in terms of where you're going to um, introduce design. And so what most people would say is, well, that's not really visual design and that's exactly right like you don't the, i guess the real answer to the question is you don't really need visual design to start out with there's not a lot of design that you need now you may reach a point in time where visual design will become really important so let's say that you get to a point where you're ready for a logo design or i you know what i need my name as a logo at the top of my site or i need business cards that i need to be able to start handing out to people Here's the first mistake that most people make once they do need a designer. They go to, and I hear these advertised across so many podcasts, and I cringe every time I hear it, which is to go to a logo design contest. Go to one of these places where you can pay $100 or $200, and they will submit you know, dozens, if not hundreds of logo designs for you to choose from, or hundreds, if not dozens, of book covers for you to, to choose from. And the reason why I don't recommend those is because it's backwards. Once you're ready for design, what you need to, who you need is a designer. And the reason you need that designer isn't merely to use Photoshop or Illustrator or InDesign in such a way as to craft the shapes that make up your logo. What you need is a creative professional who can give you feedback and advice on how best to visually represent your brand. If you go to a logo designer, their goal is to churn out as many semi-templated, if not fully templated designs as they possibly can. And so what you're going to end up doing is you're going to end up sorting through these dozens, if not hundreds of designs and picking the one that you like best. And as we alluded to a little bit earlier, what you like best isn't necessarily going to be what represents your brand, your brand or your customers best. So if you're reaching a point in time uh, wherein you're ready for design, and this, this takes a little bit more work, takes a little bit more research, but it is worth it. Uh, but find a designer, a specific person who is experienced in the particular type of design that you're wanting to do. If they're a web designer, don't approach them to design your book cover. If they are a brand identity designer, don't approach them to design your website. 
make sure that they have some experience in that particular field. So there are some uh, like Upwork, I think, is one of the, the resources out there you can go to if you're looking for a particular designer. But try to find, and again, if you're very budget conscious, totally understand that. But I would recommend p- putting your resources into a person who, is, who specializes in that craft rather than something that is kind of quantity over quality when it comes to design. There was a lot to unpack there, but I want to start by uh, just (laughs) I want to start by saying I've never thought of, you know, with a personal brand, especially having your photo really like your personal photo is your logo for your personal brand and spending your your, you know, uh, investing in having a professional photographer shoot, you know, uh, a, a you know, a portrait package, you know, of you in, in different poses, maybe different outfits or something to give you, you know, a, uh, a, a very big folder, uh, worth of videos to use across your personal platform. Um, because, as soon as you said it, I was like smacking my head because it makes so much sense because, you know, you people will, you know, regardless of whether your your brand that you're representing is your name or is something else, people are going to associate your face with your body of work. And so, you know, if if it's if you're spending that money on a logo instead, that's very impersonal. And that's, you know, a logo is, doesn't build a relationship. It might become iconic in, you know, the example of McDonald's and Burger King and Starbucks, but like you're not in the multi-billion dollar food industry, (laughs) most likely. Um, And the, you know, the, the tactic of, you know, using a, a logo contest is, I think, uh, something that Seth Godin talks about in being the race, being a race to the bottom. Like you're yes. not going to get yeah. the best quality of work and how much of that of your time is actually wasted. So if you get, you know, if you run a design contest for your logo and you get dozens or hundreds of logos, you know, first off, you've got to look at all of them and then you experience decision fatigue of trying to pick the right one versus working with a single individual who is a professional who you know perhaps even specializes in logo design and going back and forth with them and having them understand you and your business and your target audience and then going back and forth in like different renditions of a logo you're going to end up with a much better product uh than running a design contest like that um Thomas, as as a professional designer and having worked with you know a wide variety of clients, what would you what questions would you recommend people ask, um, or what specifically would you recommend they look for when they begin to first work with a designer? Like if you if you could sit down with a potential client before they call you up and and tell them, okay, ask me these questions. What it, what advice would you give them? Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on something that that's a really good point uh, regarding, you know, kind of the the quantity over quality aspect of visual design. And I'm reminded of a designer, pretty, pretty renowned designer. I hope I'm getting his name right. I think it was uh, Paul Rand, I think was his name, famous logo designer. And from the story I remember hearing is that he would famously go through his whole logo design process. You do all his research, his initial 
conversations with the company or the brand that he was going to be doing the brand identity for. And he would, uh, what most designers will do is they'll give three to five, you know, initial concepts. Sometimes, sometimes they'll give up to 10. If we're talking about a logo design contest, they give you, like we said, dozens, if not hundreds of different options. But what he would famously do is he would come to the client, you know, they would meet face to face and he would provide one concept and he would say, take it or leave it. There are no changes. This is your logo. Uh, and he was famous for doing that because he would go through a process that was so intensive that it would lead to a logo that was the correct logo according to the process that he'd come to know and trust. Now, you have to be a really confident, a really good designer where you're able to do that with clients. Most clients will walk away. However, he's created enough of a reputation to where, you know, that's one of those things where you can trust his process and it comes to the point where uh, his logo design is it's going to be the, the one to pick. But that's kind of an, an example to draw away from uh, a huge distinction between the kind of quantity over quality and trusting a true professional to create something for you that is impactful. Now, in terms of questions, uh, so the biggest things that uh, a designer, somebody who is uh, wanting to design something visual for you is they're going to want to know uh, this is kind of a key part to the visual design of anything, is they're really going to want to know your brand's personality. So uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can visually, you can, you can employ visual elements to portray a personality, right? So if I were to look at a brand like, uh, let's say, uh, T-Mobile, and let's, uh, you know, compare that to like the Ritz-Carlton, like two completely different style brands. T-Mobile is kind of more hip, more trendy, bright neon pink is the color that like fills a lot of their, you know, stores. And you look at the Ritz-Carlton, it's like black background, more of a, uh, you know, gold colored or, you know, gold's not a color, but, you know, a more gold looking typeface with thinner uh, typography. And obviously they're really fancy hotels. So the type of brand that you're creating uh, can employ a personality. And some of the, the ways that you know that you have a brand uh, and the ways that you know that you don't is if it doesn't look like there's any personality to that brand. Like part of why we find people interesting and people that we talk to or we intera interact with is that they have a personality. They just kind of stand there and mumble. You're just kind of like, okay, well, see you later. <laughs> you know, whereas if the person has a personality, something distinguishable about that person, we're more likely to remember them. The same thing applies to the way that the visual brand identity is created. That's why if you were to look at like, you know, you're, you're probably not going to remember your experience at a Hyatt hotel or a Marriott hotel. You probably would at a Ritz-Carlton. Some of that has to do with the way that the visual brand identity is designed to the way that the hotel is actually laid out and to the way that they offer their services. Um, but some of it's also going to be uh, the way that they do those things. So the way that they actually meet the needs of their customers. So those are the f right. that's probably the first thing I would, I would ask is what is the personality? Describe for me some words, some adjectives or some, you know, what are some words that you would describe? If, if it's you as a person, are you energetic? Are you funny? Are you serious? Are you professional? And then as a designer, what I would do is I would go through the process of using the typefaces and color schemes to represent that uh, to the, in a way that would be appealing to 
the market that you're trying to reach. I love that. And I think the analogy and example of hotels is spot on. Like if you go to a regular, you know, um, discount hotel chain, um, that's a great example of the lowest, you know, con- you know, the race to the bottom, the lowest common denominator, yes, trying yes. to get your cheapest experience. Like, you know, you'll you'll have a bed and a pillow and hopefully a bathroom, but that's going to be a very different experience than if you went and stayed at a Disney hotel or a resort in Cancun. Like those are very different experiences. They all fall under the umbrella of a hotel, but you get what you pay for. Um, and I think that's, you know, super important, especially as, you know, we're trying to build personal brands and, you know, if you're, if you are wanting your customers or future, you know, uh, subscribers to eventually pay you for something, um, or to invest their time and energy, you know, in your content, uh, I think it's only, I think it's only fair that you do the same for the people who are helping you build your brand, whether they are part of your team or they're contributing content or they are, you know, a contractor or a designer or a vendor that you're working with. Um, for people who are, you know, listening in and they want to learn more about design or they're interested in becoming a designer themselves, what are some resources that you would point them to? Some books or websites or courses or, you know, what are some resources that you would recommend for people who want to learn more about design? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in the past, there's been a lot of, um, there's been a f- some people who I've worked with who wanted to become designers. And I've even kind of mentored a few people who wanted to start getting into the realm of design. And there's, there's kind of a, now when we're talking about visual design, that is, um, there's kind of one fundamental thing to keep in mind uh, when it comes to doing that kind of visual design work. So whether we're talking about brand identity or web design or book jacket design or print design, whatever type of design you want to get into. And that is, you need to know the rules before you can break them. Um, so there are fundamental rules to design from color theory to proximity to balance to typography. Uh, all those different pieces make up visual design. And there's particular rules to know that re- relate to each of those. So one of the books I always recommend for people who are just getting started uh, is the Non-Designer's Design Book. Or I think it's the Non-Designer's Handbook. I can't remember the exact title. But it's a book that it's really short and it walks people through the actual fundamental, uh, the fundamentals of what makes and constitutes good design. Um, so the non-designers, bring this up live, the non-designers design book by Robin Williams. So it's a great book. It's got a lot of little exercises that you can go through. I think it's been updated and expanded a number of different kinds, a uh, number of different times. Yeah, they're on the fourth edition now. That's a really good book. It's a really good resource if you're just getting started and you just want to understand, you know, some of the kind of fundamentals of it. Part of the problem uh, and, you know, one of the reasons I'm not real active in what people call the quote unquote design community is a lot of people who are creating things, visual design things, whether that's going to be, you know, apps or websites or, uh, you know, logos or whatever it is. A lot of the people I see out there haven't even taken the time to learn any of these fundamentals and you can you can see it you can say well that looks uh like it looks like you know photoshop really well it looks like you know illustrator really well but it it also looks like there's something off about that design which is that you're breaking a rule you don't know you're breaking and you're breaking it for the wrong reasons so 
if you know the basic principles of what constitutes good design, that's a great springboard into becoming better at Photoshop. So as I've said many times in the past, knowing Photoshop doesn't make you a visual brand, you know, a, a visual designer any more than, you know, owning a tool set makes you a mechanic. It's the same type of thing. You have to know the trade and what makes up good design. So uh, the non-designers design book, they're on the fourth edition by Robin Williams great resource to start with if visual identity or visual brand is something or visual design is something you want to start getting into. I love it. And it's probably even a good idea for people who are, who are interested, who have reached that point of, you know, they, they want to do some themselves before they hire a professional, um, or they even want to be super informed. You know, they're not, they don't want to do any design themselves, but Yep. They want to be informed and educated before they work with a designer. You know, getting uh, a book like that, and you know, peru- you know, it. You don't have time to read through the whole thing. You know, peruse it and like look through, get some key takeaways from it for those key elements. And then when you have discussions with a designer, you're going to be more informed and be able to more quickly evaluate whether or not, um, you know, the person that you might be working with is going to be a good fit. Yep, absolutely, hundred percent agree. All right, Thomas, any closing uh, advice that you would love to give people when it comes to design? Yeah, the last thing I just mentioned is that the great thing about design is that it's fun. It's one of those things that we get to do every single day and we can apply the design thinking process to every aspect of what we do. So whether it's creating content or whether it's writing emails or whether it's doing the actual craft that we are delivering to our target customer, to our target audience, By going through the process of asking the question, who's it for, what's it for, and what problem is it trying to solve? We do that regularly, and we do that, we go through that thinking process when we're creating something. We're just going to make better things, and we're going to have more fun doing it. Um, So that's the biggest thing. It's like when it comes down to doing design of any kind, um, I think it should be fun. And that's part of why we do what we do. It's not not only to serve people, but to have, have fun doing it. So one of the things I'll touch on too that that Casey mentioned, and I think this is just really important to underscore, is that even if you're not wanting to learn uh, visual design yourself, even if you're not wanting to become a quote-unquote visual designer, understanding some of the the fundamentals of what makes good design is a good idea. It's one of those things that you can do uh, to prepare for working with a designer so that you can talk the same language, uh, good designers will be able to, you know, communicate with you either way. You don't necessarily have to know what proximity and balance and all those things are in order to work with a designer, but knowing them may help you make better decisions, uh, not only if you're working with a designer, but if you decide to take some of the pieces on yourself. So, yep, those are kind of some of the, the fundamental pieces to, to take away. Excellent. I love it. Okie dokie. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today on the program. Again, thank you so much, Casey, for joining us today. Again, you can always find out more about Casey over at CaseyProctor.com. And again, I'd like to mention that if you haven't already, make sure you go over and sign up for our free brand building training. You can find that over at Rightly.co slash training. And if you have a question for the program, you can give us a call at 844-RIGHTLY or you can go on over to Rightly.show slash question and we would be happy to hear from you as always go out there and create a brand that is truly rightly designed thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program 
If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher or the medium of your choosing.